0: This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists.
1: Good morning, In today's headlines, joint air drills being conducted over Nevada. Countries include the US, Australia, and the UK. Find out more about the exercises in preparation for the mounting threat from China.
2: Former Twitter executives were in the hot seat yesterday on Capitol Hill. Congress members questioned them on censorship and their relationship with government agencies.
1: Disney announces a major restructuring plan. It includes laying off 7,000 employees. We have more on their strategy to cut over $5 billion in costs.
2: Border Patrol agents say the situation at the border is overwhelming, but what's it like being a border agent? We spoke to the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council about the current situation.
1: And Super Bowl 57 is just around the corner, and Hollywood couldn't have written a better script. The best offenses in each conference, brother versus brother, and an MVP quarterback against a ferocious defense.
2: Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
1: Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today's Thursday, February 9th. And U.S. Senator John Fetterman was hospitalized yesterday. He said he started feeling lightheaded near the end of the Senate Democratic retreat. The Pennsylvania senator was kept overnight for observation at a hospital in Washington, D.C. A spokesperson says initial tests showed no evidence of a new stroke, but that doctors would be doing more tests. He said he will share more information once he has it. Fetterman suffered a stroke during his campaign last year. Many questioned his health and if he would be able to serve. The stroke left him with difficulty speaking and processing questions unless they are typed out. Fetterman's office says he is in good spirits and talking with his staff and family.
2: A combative hearing in Congress yesterday, former Twitter executives testified on censorship and other topics. And today's Daniel Monahan has more.
3: These platforms are the virtual town square. The official purpose of the hearing was to look into how Twitter blocked the New York Post's Hunter Biden laptop story prior to the 2020 election. Three former Twitter executives testified they mistakenly believed the Post article contained hacked material. We've witnessed big tech autocrats wield their unchecked power to suppress the speech of Americans to promote their preferred political opinions. Comer says America witnessed a coordinated campaign by social media companies, mainstream news, and the intelligence community to suppress and delegitimize the existence of the laptop and its contents. Representative Lauren Boebert criticized the so-called close cooperation between the FBI and Twitter.
1: Mr. Roth, while at Twitter, how many meetings did you have with the FBI?
4: I couldn't say for sure, but- I would More than say was, 10? That's a reasonable estimate. More than 20? Estimate. I couldn't say for sure. More than 50? That seems a bit high.
1: Now, Mr. Roth, did the FBI ever ask you to share information like users' communication data without going through proper legal channels?
4: No, they did not, and I would have refused if they had.
3: The Colorado Congresswoman then addressed her own account banning and censorship at large.
1: And let me just say, I'm not angry for myself. I'm not angry because I was silenced. I can reach out to Elon and to his staff and I can see what's happened and I can sit here today and hold you all in account. I am angry for the millions of Americans who were silenced because of your decisions, because of your actions, because of your collusion with the federal government.
3: Representative Nancy Mace questioned the former Twitter executives about censorship related to COVID.
1: I find it extremely alarming Twitter's unfettered censorship spread into medical fields and affected millions of Americans by suppressing expert opinions from doctors and censoring those who disagree with the CDC.
3: Mace addressed Vijay Gaddy. She asked her where she attended medical school. Gaddy responded that she hadn't attended medical school.
1: You guys censored Harvard-educated doctors, Stanford-educated doctors, doctors that are educated in the best places
3: in the world, and you silenced those voices. Gaddy says that Twitter's policies regarding COVID were designed to protect individuals. Meanwhile, Representative Jamie Raskin referred to Biden's State of the Union address, touting the administration's accomplishments. He then criticized the Twitter hearing to take up an authentically trivial pursuit, all based on the obsessive victimology of right-wing politics in America. Raskin urged members to keep in mind that Twitter is a private company with the power to choose its own content. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
1: The South Dakota House has weighed in on drop boxes for absentee ballots. It passed a bill to make them illegal in elections in the state. The bill requires all voters to return mail-in ballots. That means either by mail or in person to elections offices. The bill now advances to the state Senate. The state's mail-in voting processes would change in a few ways. Poll watchers would be able to observe the ballot counting. Pre-filled mail-in ballot couldn't be used, And penalties for mail-in voting violations would also increase.
2: Well, you might not need to raise your own chickens after all. Wholesale egg prices in the U.S. have fallen more than 50% since December, and retailers could soon be passing those savings on to consumers. Market analysts say prices for a dozen eggs fell to around $2.60 on Monday. That's down 52% from a peak of roughly $5.40 in mid-December and 47% down from the beginning of the year. On average, the price for a dozen grade-A eggs more than doubled last year. Data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics shows consumers were paying on average over $4 in December. It was under $2 the year before. Food economists say the soaring prices are due to a historic outbreak of bird flu. They say millions of birds being culled greatly disrupted supply.
1: In other news, Disney announced a major restructuring yesterday. It plans to cut 7,000 jobs and $5.5 billion in costs. The entertainment giant is the latest media company to announce job cuts in response to slowing subscriber growth and increased competition for viewers. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the move.
0: Disney said Wednesday, it plans to restructure into three segments, an entertainment unit for movies, television, and streaming, a sports focused ESPN unit, and a parks experiences and products division. The 7,000 layoffs represent around three and a half percent of Disney's global workforce. The order in which they go about this will share a bit of light or shed a bit of light on their priorities or this restructuring. Shares of Disney rose almost 5% at the news. Recently reinstated, CEO Bob Iger says streaming will remain Disney's top priority and that the company will focus more on its core brands and franchises. This is Iger coming in with sharp knives because he needs to prove a point. And I think Disney got way overdone in terms of hiring on the content side. And it sends a signal, sends a signal internally to the industry as well as Wall Street. The company reported its first quarterly decrease in subscriptions for its Disney Plus streaming service, which lost more than a billion dollars. Warner Brothers and Netflix previously underwent layoffs. If you look across the industry, Disney is not alone. There are a lot of companies right now which are really uh, paying the piper and seeing what they have to do here in order to keep functioning at where they want to be. The restructuring steps also include a promise to reinstate a share of profits and earnings to shareholders. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
2: The death toll from Monday's harrowing earthquake in Turkey has now exceeded 16,000. Rescue operations are underway to locate any survivors. Among the rescued was a child who was buried under debris for 68 hours. Several Arab nations, as well as India and Pakistan, have sent rescue teams and supplies to the region. NTD's Kostemines has more.
5: Rescue workers are finding more survivors two days after the devastating earthquake. A child was pulled out alive from under the rubble of a collapsed building in Syria on Wednesday. The boy's parents perished in the debris. In Turkey, rescue teams found a Syrian man who had been trapped under slabs of concrete for two days. His wife and daughters didn't survive. Hopes of finding more survivors are getting slimmer by the day. Rescue teams pulled out a baby from the rubble of a collapsed building in Hatay city in Turkey. The infant was trapped for nearly 68 hours. But she is fortunately in good health and was put under medical supervision. In Adi province, another search and rescue team found four members of the same family alive under the debris. Several Arab countries, as well as Pakistan, have sent rescue teams and supplies to Syria. Airplanes arriving from Tunisia, Pakistan, Iraq, Libya and the United Arab Emirates landed in Damascus, Aleppo, and Latakia airports carrying aid supplies. India on Wednesday dispatched a third batch of rescuers, along with a sniffer dog squad and relief material.
3: Operation Dost uh, is a very important operation. And uh, this is the operation of friendship. Because Dost is a word in Indian Turkish which means friends. And this operation shows our friendship between India and Turkey. And friends always help each other.
5: Monday's earthquake was the biggest recorded worldwide by the U.S. Geological Survey since an August 2021 tremor in the remote South Atlantic. Kostem NS, NTD News.
1: The U.S., Australia and the U.K. carried out China-focused air drills yesterday. The three-week-long exercises simulate high-end combat operations against Chinese fighter jets and air defenses. NTD's
0: Jeremy Sandberg reports. We think that if we're ready for China, we're ready for anybody. The joint air drills over the Nevada desert and beyond are meant to prepare fighter pilots for the challenges they would face in a conflict with China. We have two airborne uh, aggressor squadrons called the 64th and 65th aggressor squadrons. They fly the F-16s and the F-35s, and they replicate uh, all of the Chinese fighters through their fourth gen and their fifth gen uh, adversary aircraft. The training addresses the far distances the U.S., Australia and the U.K. would have to negotiate in order to operate across the Pacific. It aims to improve the interoperability of the three countries' air forces, including air-to-air refueling. We're not necessarily reacting to any recent uh, political events. It's just the pacing challenge that we train to. The Pentagon has voiced growing concern in recent years over pressure from Beijing on self-ruled Taiwan. The Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, sees the island as a breakaway province.
2: This mission is to simulate a need to undertake activity into an area where there has been an invasion by a hostile country.
0: The U.S. government has identified China as its military's top strategic priority. That's despite it devoting billions of dollars to support Ukraine against Russia. CIA Director William Burns cautioned last week, that the United States knew as a matter of intelligence that CCP leader Xi Jinping had ordered his military to be ready to conduct an invasion of self governed Taiwan by 2027. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
2: Australia has ordered a review into Chinese made cameras used in Defense Department offices. It comes amid reports of security risks posed by the cameras. According to local media, several Chinese-made security cameras at the National War Memorial in Canberra are to be removed. The move follows Britain's decision in November to stop installing Chinese-linked surveillance cameras at sensitive buildings. Some U.S. states have also banned vendors and products from several Chinese technology companies. The cameras in Australia were made by Hikvision and Dahua, both CCP-partly-owned firms. Both companies are on the U.S. government blacklist for aiding the ongoing genocide and repression of Uyghurs in the Xinjiang region.
5: This is an issue. uh, we, uh, for, In respect of what's in the newspapers today, we're doing an assessment of, of all uh, the um, technology for, for surveillance within the defence uh, estate um, and where those um, particular cameras are found, they're going to be removed. Well, the concern is that these are Chinese manufacturing cameras and there's data being collected which is going back to the Chinese state. We still don't know fully if that's the case. We haven't seen any technical assessment or uh, attributes of the cameras to actually know if that's the place.
2: According to an audit, there are over 900 Chinese-made cameras in 250 buildings. These include the Departments of Defense, Foreign Affairs, and Finance. And coming up, New York City is paying travel expenses for illegal immigrants who want to leave the city. Some of them are traveling north into Canada. And border patrol agents say the situation at the border is overwhelming. We spoke to the vice president of the National Border Patrol Council about the current situation. Get the story after the break. Welcome back. New York City is supplying free bus tickets to illegal immigrants who want to travel north to Canada. The New York Post reported the migrants are traveling to Plattsburgh. It's a city just south of the Canadian border. They cross into Canada at an unofficial checkpoint using Roxham Road. Canadian officials have complained. They say a legal loophole in the safe third country agreement is being exploited. That agreement between the U.S. and Canada states asylum seekers must seek refuge in the first country they enter, whether it's the U.S. or Canada. But it doesn't cover unofficial entry points such as Roxham Road. New York City is struggling to cope with an influx of illegal immigrants. Many are being sent by Republican governors in the South to to Democratic-controlled cities in the North.
1: And now Border Patrol agents say this situation at the border is overwhelming. But what is it like being a border agent? What do encounters with the cartel actually look like and how do they operate? I asked John Anfinson. He is the National Vice President of the Border Patrol Union.
4: Well, I mean, at the moment, the changes that they implemented for, uh, for Venezuelans and Nicaraguans, uh, Cubans and Haitians, it's made a difference a little bit. Some of them are now going towards the, the ports of entry, which is officially where people are supposed to request asylum. Uh, but it, So that's, that's helping. But granted, now those folks are going to the ports of entry, uh, they're requesting asylum and they're being let in, which still doesn't fix the, the larger asylum problem where people are allowed just to come in and, and essentially clog up the system. Uh, with claims that ultimately aren't going to work for them, and they're they're basically preventing people with real asylum claims from having uh, a, a timely chance to to claim asylum. So it doesn't really change a whole lot for us. We're still border patrol agents are still sort of part of the asylum business, if you will. Uh, and we should we just shouldn't be. All of our folks should be out in the field devoted exclusively to patrolling the border
0: hmm.
1: yeah, and now I just read a report by the House Oversight Committee it said that drug cartels and human smuggling operations are exploiting that at the border that which is not surprising of course but can you put that into more of a perspective what proportion would you say does that make up and um, what records do you have on them
4: it's hard to tell I mean there's always this there's always this unknown in terms of we there's there's a few different groups of people that we detect we there are people we see cross the border and we don't find them, but they, they eventually they get away and they become what's called a gotaway. Uh, and then there are people who cross the border and turn themselves in and we arrest them. And then there's always this other group out, out there where we aren't present to, to see them. We don't have cameras or technology to detect them, uh, but they're out there somewhere. And we find uh, signs and we'll find clothing on the ground, we'll find footprints, that sort of thing. Uh, and we just never knew that they were there. So it's hard to tell when the cartels are the ones who decide who crosses the border and where. So if they have, uh, if they have a, gr- a load of narcotics to get across the border, they will decide where that's going to cross, and then they will send a large group of immigrants across someplace else, knowing that Border Patrol's resources are going to be tied up, dealing with that group of people, and then they basically have free reign to do whatever they want on other stretches of the border.
1: Right. And on that topic, let's focus on the agents. How does that impact the morale there at the border?
4: Well, I mean, you know, we get asked this question a lot and morale is just, it's just kind of non-existent and it's been that way for a while. Uh, The past couple of years have been rough. Uh, You figure, just so let's say here, just in the Del Rio sector, a busy week for us, if you go back maybe four or five years ago, a busy week for us was a thousand people. Uh, Then we jumped up to the weeks where we had uh, 12, 13,000 in a week. And then now we're down to about like four to five thousand in a week, so we're still incredibly busy, but uh, it's difficult because we were trained to do a job, and we're not allowed to do it. And it's it, we have cameras all over the border. So for example, we will see uh, we'll see people cross. They'll set off a camera, and we can see their faces. Like we know that that guy in that picture is getting away, and we don't know where they're going. We don't know who they are, uh, and. The bulk of the people that cross the border are perfectly fine people. Like the, most of them, don't have a criminal history, but there are plenty that do. In fact, in Del Rio sector, they just caught uh, three different people with uh, criminal history involving um, sexual offense-related crimes. So, I mean, we—it doesn't mean that every group has people like that in it, but it happens enough to the point where it's a serious concern for us because they're—they're they're not staying here; they're going across the country. Uh, many times, right back to the place where they have convictions here in the US. And so it's upsetting for agents to not be out there to try, uh, at least arrest them. You know, they, this whole asylum process should be taken care of by other agencies ICE and CIS and, and the immigration court system. Like, those are all people who really own this process. And we're just stuck in the middle uh, because we haven't been able to do our job. In fact, all, of all the agencies within CBP, we're the only ones not doing our job. Customs just now started having to deal with this asylum stuff on a larger scale since they're using that CBP-1 app. Uh, but before that, Customs was just doing their thing. Their officers were in their ports of entry, oftentimes on the bridge above our agents, just doing their job, pretending like there weren't 2,000 people underneath the bridge waiting for Border Patrol to pick them up. So it's the number one thing they can do for us is to get Border Patrol agents back into the field to do their job. and. The rest will all kind of fall in place.
1: Right. And of course, we're touching on a lot of things here. In uh, in your position, though, what do you want to see most um, from the administration as a next step? I
4: mean, look, the, the White House could stop this like today with the policy change. You, you look back under uh, President Trump and he had the Remain in Mexico policy. And, you know, there were plenty of debates about whether that was appropriate or ethical or whatever. But what you can't argue with is that it worked. It produced results. We went from uh, having tens of thousands of people cross the border and it turned off almost just like flipping a light switch. Um, it's effective. And the, the policies that were put in place recently for Nicaraguans, Venezuelans, Cubans and Haitians, that is sort of in that direction, except uh, people in those categories are, then go to the port of entry to request asylum uh, and then get released. So it doesn't actually do anything to change uh, the number of people who actually want to cross the border because now people are encouraged by the use of the app. So even if they don't fit in those four categories, they're still trying to show up at the border. And if they can't get an appointment at the bridge, then they're going to cross the border and uh, request asylum with us. So there's still these uh, large factors pulling people toward the US. If the White House were to change their policies uh, and essentially tell people like, you have to request it at a port of entry and you're going to wait in Mexico uh, for your appointment, Uh, you will dramatically see people cross because that's what happened the last time that that policy was implemented.
1: And he gave me a lot of interesting insights. And what we just saw was really just a part of that interview. We have the extended version online for you. He told me more about the uh, the cartel, how the cartel operates and why they have issues with retaining and hiring agents. So I think it's really worth looking at uh, if you want to head to NTD.com to watch it. Coming up, a dream matchup in Super Bowl 57 is just around the corner. Will the golden arm of Mahomes break the powerful Philadelphia defense? More on the game when we return.
2: That time of year has finally arrived, and people couldn't wish for a much better lineup for Super Bowl 57 this weekend. It's the AFC's top-seeded Kansas City Chiefs against the NFC's top-seeded Philadelphia Eagles. The teams were the two highest-scoring offenses in each conference. The matchup also has some great storylines. NTD's Daniel Monahan has more.
3: A near-historic Philadelphia Eagles pass rush will face the ultimate test on Sunday. Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is an MVP favorite with no interest in seeding the Super Bowl spotlight. The Eagles established themselves as a terrifying defensive force in the regular season. They punished opponents with an astonishing 70 sacks, too shy of the NFL record, while allowing the second fewest yards per game. But Mahomes is unlike any quarterback they faced in 2022. Eagles quarterback Darius Slay on how to play against Mahomes. Uh, Just contain him, man. Uh, Just try to limit him to making big plays, because he's a guy that can make big plays at any given time. But uh, you know he's a talented dude, man. He's a one-on-one guy. At just 27 years old, Mahomes has already vaulted himself into the history books. He joined future Hall of Famer Drew Brees this year as one of only two quarterbacks to throw for more than 5,000 yards and 40 or more touchdowns in multiple seasons. Here's tight end Travis Kelsey on Mahomes tossing some of his trademark trick throws.
0: I'm a supporter of Pat just doing the craziest stuff possible so I uh, I'm all for him throwing it behind his back over his head he's got to give a no look or something like that however he has to get the ball to somebody he's going to do it
3: Travis will be facing off against his brother Jason you
1: know Travis and I were raised in a wonderful community and neighborhood with uh, lots of friends
3: and teammates of all sorts of different sports growing up as kids, the pair dreamed that they might play in the Super Bowl together, but they always imagined playing on the same team. Meanwhile, the Eagles have a great quarterback of their own in Jalen Hurts. I feel like there's a ton of value in repetition, getting experience, and learning, being able to learn from those mistakes. Hurts says the team has grown in a ton of different areas, and now they have the opportunity to play for the championship. Kansas City coach Andy Reid will be playing against his former team.
4: Yeah, listen, I I mean, I had 14
3: great years there. I loved every minute of it. Um, It's a great organization. Um, I still am close with the the people there. The Eagles are a a one-and-a-half-point favorite to defeat the Chiefs. Rihanna will be headlining the halftime show. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Are you an NFL fan?
2: Uh, well, you know, i watched plenty of football on my day, Evelyn. But did you know, I played football for two years, actually. Eighth grade and my freshman year of high school. What position? I played cornerback. You know, I was defense, but I switched to wrestling because it was a pound-for-pound sport, and I did better. I was oh, captain wow. my senior year.
1: Mm, nice.
2: Yeah, Do you play any sports?
1: Well, not seriously, but a little bit of basketball, maybe, yeah.
2: Basketball? Well, OK, you're pretty tall. How did you do? <laughs>
1: uh, not very well. Let's <laughs> okay. not talk about that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. (laughs) All right. And that's it for today's program. We'd love to hear from you. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning at NTD.com. Shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
2: And I'm Kevin Hogan.